from Romans 15 this morning. In the ESV, this is entitled Christ, the hope of the Jews and the Gentiles. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. In this short series in the month of December, we've, I entitled it Great Expectations. And so the first Sunday that we met this month, I talked about the promise. The promise that was right from the beginning. The promise is Jesus. Right from the beginning, Jesus was promised. Before the foundation of the world, Christ was crucified. Therefore, in the mind of God, God knew exactly how everything was going to play out, how it was going to go, and how he was going to redeem people. So we looked at the promise, and the promise came in Jesus. Then we looked at the gift last Sunday evening at the carol service, those of us who were there, that was a great night just to share together. It was lovely. It was special. And uh, Sally Ann there made for me a, a, a wonderful present that opened up and it simply formed the shape of a cross which we hung on the back wall and it said God on the three squares across and love on the way down. And we looked at the gift the gift that was given to us in Jesus himself, Emmanuel, God with us. And so great expectations in promise became a real and living gift and dwelt among us. And I think it was Sarah who read from John 1. And it says in John 1 that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And later on in that reading, it says that he came and he dwelt among us. In one version, it says he tabernacled amongst us. He was with us. He was a real gift. He wasn't just an idea. He wasn't just a good moment before the foundation of the world when God could see how it was all going to pan out. He translated that into reality. And so we looked at the promise who came as a baby, lying in a manger or a food trough, wrapped in swaddling bands, 
introduced to shepherds, the lowest of the low, and to kings, the highest of the high. Amazing. And this morning, to finish this off for me anyway, we're going to talk about the hope, the hope. I want to tell you a story about hope as we use it in our natural everyday life. It's a story I've told before, and in fact, I think I've even mentioned it in this run-up in the last two sermons, but I just want to remind you of the story because it does illustrate how we have a tendency to think of hope. It's about when I was a child at junior school, and the reality is the two times a year that really excited me was my birthday and the Christmas that I was going to have. My birthday precedes Christmas by a month, so it's like having two bites at the same cherry for the present that you really desire. And I remember letting my parents know oh so clearly that there was this one thing that would make my life complete. And my birthday arrived... 23rd of November, put it in your diaries, all right? That's for this 2023. Um, But I remember it clearly. I, I, I let them know oh so clearly that this is the one gift that would change my life. Anyway, my birthday arrived. The wrapping paper was there. But sadly, as I tore the paper from Whatever it was, I don't even remember what it was that I got in its place. And it would have been a great present anyway. You know, my parents were really good like that. It would have been a fantastic present, but it paled into insignificance because it wasn't the present that I wanted. Never mind. Bite number two at the cherry. I've now got a month to replay the run. And that's what I did. Every advert when it came on the TV, oh, that's, that's exactly what I want. You know, that's going to make my life complete. You know, I just, every time I banged on about it, I left adverts in magazines around the house showing it. Christmas Day came. I came downstairs, great expectation. The expectation was palpable. And I came down the stairs only to find again that present was not amongst the ones that I received. Loads of great presents, but it wasn't what I wanted. There's a verse in scripture that says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. This verse is a challenging verse for us as Christians. In fact, it's a challenging verse for anyone, not just for Christians. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. The desire for something which takes hold of you, which seems elusive, like the mirage in a desert, where you see this wonderful oasis at a distance when you're parched and needing water to drink, and you you keep making your way towards this thing that you never actually get to. Because it's always moving. It's like trying to find gold at the end of a rainbow. Have you ever tried to do that? 
I've messed about doing things like that, you know. Trying to find gold at the end of a rainbow, but the trouble is the rainbow keeps moving. I never quite get to the end of it. It's so frustrating. But it says here that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. That idea of a tree of life has with it the idea of flourishing, prosperous, vigorous life. You might even say that life has a sense of purpose and real meaning with it. And so having a desire fulfilled is so important to us. But hope deferred. The word deferred means to hold back to a latter time or a later time. However, it makes the heart sick. And the word sick here just means to grow weak, to grow tired, to feel pain, and it can mean to be ill. Now, I meet lots of people who want the tree of life and the desire fulfilled, but the truth is, even as Christians, they live with hope deferred. And their heart is sick. It's weak. It's tired. Life has become something that we plod through, hoping that things will change. Now, I want to ask you right at the outset this morning are any of you in that place this morning? As I was preparing this, I sensed that that might be the case for some. Maybe it's your marriage, your relationships. Maybe all that you expected on that day when you came together, maybe it hasn't panned out quite the way you thought it should or you were hoping it would. Maybe it's your personal aspirations Maybe you had hoped that you would have achieved so many things in life. And now, wherever you are, I had a crisis at the age of 25 when I woke up one morning on my 25th birthday and thought, my goodness, I could have had one third of my life and I haven't done anything yet. The amazing thing was I woke up at 50 and felt exactly the same. You see, time marches through. And if we're not careful, we live life below what God has for us. And God doesn't want us to live life in regret. God doesn't want us to live life in a state of weakness and being tired and feeling pain and being overwhelmed by what's going on around us. A sense of hopelessness overwhelming us. God wants us to have life and have it abundantly. It says that in John's Gospel, doesn't it? I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. That should be our expectation. Every one of us should have that as our expectation. But we're going to have to learn a few things about hope. Because you see, hope for us does not mean 
in the everyday sense of life, what hope means in a biblical sense. Ordinarily, when we express hope, we're expressing an uncertainty. We hope it will work out. We hope the relationship that we have will work out. We hope our marriage will work out. We might start on one day and the, the glorious day that you come together and it all seems perfect. But so often our hope is only the expression of an uncertainty because when you push, people say, well, you, we hope so. You can't be sure, can you? We hope that we will make life without serious illness. We hope. We expressing hope with uncertainty. But the main thing I want you to go away with this morning is that in Scripture, biblical hope is not just the desire for something good in the future, but rather it is the confident expectation for something good in the future. It is that confident expectation. Biblical hope doesn't just have a desire for something. It expects it to happen. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the, set, that, that have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We do not live life without hope, full and certain hope. With full assurance, hope with full assurance. Because we know who we are. We know who Jesus has made us through the cross. We know where we're going. We know we have an eternal destiny. And one day, whether Christ returns while we are still living, or we die and we go to be with him, the assurance and the fullness of hope that we have is that that will happen. That will happen. It is the thing that keeps us pure. It is the thing that keeps us as a tree of life, having hope despite the circumstances that surround us. We have a hope in someone who is able, someone who has the power to change things. And that someone is Jesus. That someone is God the Father. That someone is the Holy Spirit. And God has given us full assurance of hope. And when we look at him, any doubt, any unbelief should melt. Because he has already proved himself. He's already proved himself. He promised Jesus. And Jesus came. He said through the promises, 
spoken by the prophets that he would suffer. And he did. That he would die. And he did. And that he would rise again. And he did. And it is in Jesus rising from the dead that our hope, the full assurance of hope that we can have, it is in that that God has promised and God has delivered already. And therefore, why should I expect it to be any different for me? He has promised that one day I will be with him in eternity. Why should it be any different for me? Jason said at the beginning that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if there is no truth in that, then we should utter the words of Paul that we find in Corinthians, who says, if we have only got hope in this life, then we are to be pitied above everybody because we've wasted our time. We've pursued something which is worthless and something that is useless But Paul knew who God was. He knew what Jesus had done for him. This morning, my challenge to you is, do you know what Jesus has done for you? Because if you do, you will live in full assurance of hope. And full assurance of hope will bear fruit in its biggest sense in faith and when we have faith we will not be disappointed the scripture says we will not be disappointed so hope requires expectation hope will burst forth into faith because I do believe that faith itself is the full expression of hope Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's like I saw a guy once, um, I can't remember his name, he was a New Zealander. Um, He did this illustration on the platform in Plymouth one day, and he said, it's like when we start to pray about things, It's like we lasso, and he put a chair across the other side of the platform, and he said, it's like we lasso, the chair is the answer, and we start to pray, and as we pray, we pull that thing towards us again, as we exercise hope, we pull it, we pull, in sense by faith, we pray, and we keep calling on God, and we keep going, we don't give up, we persevere, we're not going to give up. We persevere and eventually the chair he pulled across the platform to be where he was and he sat on it. Hope, full assurance of hope will bring us to that place where faith is complete. I want us to pursue just for a moment that connection between hope and faith a little further. There is a big relationship between that. How do you grow in faith? It's the same way you grow in hope. You grow in hope the same way you grow in faith. They're almost, they seem to me to be inseparable. You learn because of what you've already experienced. You've seen God meet 
your needs. Maybe it could have been that you had no cash to go and buy something or you needed food or whatever it happens to be and you've, you've asked God about it and then there is that wonderful moment where either some food turns up, you're given food, you weren't expecting it, it just turns up. Or what you do is you get an envelope through the door and there's cash in there and you're able to go and purchase that which you need. I learned a big lesson at Bible college that when I was praying for things, I had to leave the delivery of it up to God and not presuppose how he ought to do it. So when I was praying on one occasion because we had no money for food, I was praying and I missed the blessing of God simply because I wanted the envelope through the door with cash in it. And a friend of mine returned from his father's house after a half term and he turns up at our place with a bag of potatoes, with joints of pork cut, they'd killed a pig and swede. I never didn't like Swede until this point, mind. Um, there was Swedes in there, right? And, and carrots and different things that he had sent back. And do you know, I had the audacity, God had met our need, and I had the audacity to say to Liz, why isn't God answering my prayer? <laughs> One idiot. You know, One idiot. Why isn't God answering my prayer? Because you see, I'd set my heart on the envelope through the door with the cash. There is vital, but do you know, we grow in hope and faith as we prove God in our lives. And I am sure, just like Joe's testimony this morning, of the goodness of God, that there are many of us here this morning who can testify to the goodness of God. The trouble with growing in faith and seeing God meet our needs, the problem with that is there's a period where we don't know. For we know, this is Romans 8, it says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the, cre- the creation, but we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? There is that wrestle and there always will be that wrestle between the promise and the fulfillment. It will never, never, never be different, all right? It's never going to be different. But what you do, you remember, I don't know how many of you remember, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. It's an ancient song that I don't want to sing here, okay, particularly. Love the words, tune does my head in. (laughs) So don't get up at the end and play it because I know that that's the sort of funny thing that you might consider doing. (laughs) All right. But count your blessings. Name them one by one. Do you look back at how God has blessed you? Are you thankful and growing in thankfulness for the things that God has done for you? Are you keeping yourself built up and alive 
in what God has already achieved. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope. What is our blessed hope? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We're told in Scripture to live in the light of his appearing. God never asks us to look to how we might check out early. But he does tell us to live in the light of his appearing. In other words, live every moment of every day as if this is your last moment. Not like you've got the rest of eternity to make it. Live your life every day as if it might be the last moment that you live. So live in the light of his appearing. And when we live that way, we keep ourselves pure and holy before God. Hope requires change. And everyone who hopes in him purifies himself. I want you to notice something there. Do you know, so many people want to be a quick prayer and their life will change. They've got a besetting sin, so what they do is go, oh, quick prayer, it'll all change. But it's hope that will cause you to change. It is hope that's going to cause you to change. The man and everyone who thus hopes in him, that's in Jesus, purifies himself. Because when we hope in Jesus, the thankfulness in our hearts should grow and become more and more and more and we don't want to offend God. So hope requires change. Hope will always be challenged. Do you know why hope is challenged? Because it reveals our heart. It reveals our heart. You know where you are with God. Truthfully, when your hope is challenged. Because where do you turn to the moment your hope is challenged? Is it to him? Or is it to moan? Or is it some other place that you go and seek out? Refuge. Hope will challenge us because it exposes us. But do you know the best thing about hope? Overall, just the same as faith, it is also a gift from God. It's a gift from God. God gives us what we need. It's a gift from God. It might require us to wait a while, but it is a gift. From God. It said about Jesus, he was promised through the prophets 800,000 years before he came. It says this in Galatians in the fullness of time, God sent his son. In the fullness of time, God is never early, but I want to tell you, he's never late. 
I, I believe that passionately. God is never early and he is never late. He will bring about his purposes come what may. And God has a purpose for you. Ephesians 2 tells us that we've all been created for good works. He has a purpose for you. He'll never be early and he'll never be late. Sometimes God has to do a work in each and every one of us. My brother-in-law once used this phrase that I picked up from him. And I really like it. God can't do through you what he wants until he can do in you what he wants. He can't do through you what he wants until he can do in you what he wants. Some people say that God has to break us in order to use us. The reality is, a smouldering wick he won't snuff out and a bruised reed he's not going to break He's not going to break you and smash you to pieces. But he is going to work on you. He is going to try and fashion the image of his son in us all. Hope has a present reality and a future. And the future is him. There's a song that we will probably sing, well, we will sing to close. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You know? Jesus is on whom we build. This is a Tim Keller phrase, but I love the, the, the flow of it and what it says. It says, the gospel says... You are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. Do you agree with that? That you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. But more accepted and loved than you ever dared hope. Amen. The gospel says you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe, but more accepted than loved than you ever dared hope. God loves you. I don't know whether there was anybody who related to the <clears throat> things that I said at the beginning about hope deferred. But I'm going to close in prayer before we sing a final song. But I want to pray for you. I am aware, this is me personally, I, these are not things I know in this body. There are people who are hurting for numerous reasons. Whether that's things haven't worked out how they've wanted. Um, maybe they're struggling with relationships in marriage. Maybe you're just struggling with your walk with God. 
And maybe you feel that hope deferred is making you sick this morning. But I have got some good news for you. God is faithful. God is faithful. He does heal. He comes and he can restore where hope has has been deferred and your heart feels heavy. And I'm going to pray this morning for you that that will be your portion. I'm not going to ask you to come and give testimony or anything like that, but I will tell you this. When God meets you, because I believe he will, when God heals you and heals that pain of a deferred hope, I want you to do me the simple courtesy of letting me know. I will never use your name, or if you tell me the story, I'll never, I'll never use it publicly. And if I wanted to, I would always anonymize it and ask your consent first. And if you didn't want it shared, even anonymized, then that would be fine. But I'm going to ask you to do me at least the courtesy of letting me know that God has moved in your life. Because that's a way we give glory to him. God is faithful and it's in him we trust for our present and our future. My direction for you is this, leaving here today. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope, the fact that it's available. Be patient even though you might be in a time of tribulation. But don't give up asking God. Be constant in prayer. Asking God to heal your heart. And to give you fresh hope. Romans 12, 9. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you that at Christmas we can remember that there's a promise. And you, your promises are yes and amen. When you promise, you deliver. We want to thank you that not only will there be a promise, but there's a gift. The gift itself, the promise itself comes and manifests itself in our midst. And we want to thank you that we have our hope and our hope is set in you. And it is important to remind ourselves that it's in you we trust. Not in our ability to understand. Not in our ability to be good enough. Not in our abilities at all. But totally just being available to you. Father, we just give you thanks and praise for the gift of Jesus this Christmas. The reminder that we, Lord, just like it was said this morning, we are at the beginning of the story, reminding ourselves of the beginning of the story, and the story isn't over yet. So Lord, be with us, touch our lives, change us, transform us, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.